Section 10 of Fabiola by Nicholas Patrick Cardinal Wiseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Part First, Peace. Chapter 10. Other Meetings. When the two youths returned to the room by which they had entered the apartment, they found the expected company assembled. A frugal repast was laid upon the table principally as a blind to any intruder who might happen unexpectedly to enter. The assembly was large and varied, containing clergy and laity, men and women. The purpose of the meeting was to concert proper measures, in consequence of something which had lately occurred in the palace. This we must briefly explain. Sebastian, enjoying the unbounded confidence of the emperor, employed all his influence in propagating the Christian faith within the palace numerous conversions had gradually been made but shortly before this period there had been a wholesale one effected the particulars of which are recorded in the genuine acts of this glorious soldier in virtue of former laws many christians were seized and brought to trial which often ended in death two brothers marcus and marcellianus had been so accused and were expecting execution but when their friends admitted to see them implored them with tears to save their lives by apostasy they seemed to waver. They promised to deliberate. Sebastian heard of this and rushed to save them. He was too well known to be refused admittance, and he entered into their gloomy prison like an angel of light. It consisted of a strong room in the house of the magistrate, to whose care they had been entrusted. The place of confinement was generally left to that officer, and here Tranquilinus, the father of the two youths, had obtained a respite for them of thirty days, to try to shake their constancy and to second his efforts nicostratus the magistrate had placed him in custody in his own house sebastian's was a bold and perilous office besides the two christian captives there were gathered in the place sixteen heathen prisoners there were the parents of the unfortunate youths weeping over them and caressing them to allure them from their threatened doom there was the gaulert claudius and there was the magistrate nicostratus with his wife zoe drawn thither by the compassionate wish of seeing the youths snatched from their fate could sebastian hope that of this crowd not one would be found whom a sense of official duty or hope of pardon or hatred of christianity might impel to betray him if he avowed himself a christian and did he not know that such a betrayal involved his death he knew it well but what cared he if three victims would thus be offered to god instead of two so much the better all that he dreaded was that there should be none the room was a banqueting hall but seldom opened in the day and consequently requiring very little light what it had entered only as in the pantheon by an opening in the roof and sebastian anxious to be seen by all stood in the ray which now darted through it strong and brilliant where it beat but leaving the rest of the apartment almost dark it broke against the gold and jewels of his rich tribune's armour and as he moved scattered itself in sparks of brilliant hues into the darkest recesses of that gloom while it beamed with serene steadiness upon his uncovered head and displayed his noble features softened by an emotion of tender grief as he looked upon the two vacillating confessors it was some moments before he could give vent in words to the violence of his grief till at length it broke forth in impassioned tones holy and venerable brothers he exclaimed who have borne witness to Christ, who are imprisoned for Him, whose limbs are marked by chains worn for His sake, who have tasted torments with Him. I ought to fall at your feet and do you homage and ask your prayers, instead of standing before you as your exhorter, 
still less as your reprover can this be true which i have heard that while angels were putting the last flowers to your crowns you had bid them pause and even thought of telling them to unweave them and scatter their blossoms to the winds can i believe that you who have already your feet on the threshold of paradise are thinking of drawing them back to tread once more the valley of exile and of tears the two youths hung down their heads and wept in humble confession of their weakness sebastian proceeded you cannot meet the eye of a poor soldier like me the least of christ's servants how then will you stand the angry glance of the lord whom you are about to deny before men but cannot in your hearts deny on that terrible day when he in return will deny you before his angels when instead of standing manfully before him like good and faithful servants as to-morrow ye might have done you shall have to come into his presence after having crawled through a few more years of infamy disowned by the church despised by its enemies and what is worse gnawed by an undying worm and victims of a sleepless remorse cease oh in pity cease young man whoever thou art exclaimed tranquilinus the father of the youths speak not thus severely to my sons it was i assure thee to their mother's tears and to my entreaties that they had begun to yield and not to the tortures which they have endured with such fortitude why should they leave their wretched parents to misery and sorrow does thy religion command this and dost thou call it holy wait in patience my good old man said sebastian with the kindest look and accent and let me speak first with thy sons they know what i mean which thou canst not yet but with god's grace thou too shalt soon your father indeed is right in saying that for his sake and your mother's you have been deliberating whether you should not prefer them to him who told you he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me you cannot hope to purchase for these your aged parents eternal life by your own loss of it will you make them christians by abandoning christianity will you make them soldiers of the cross by deserting its standard will you teach them that its doctrines are more precious than life by preserving life to them do you want to gain for them not the mortal life of the perishable body but the eternal life of the soul then hasten yourselves to its acquisition throw down at the feet of your saviour the crowns you will receive and entreat for your parents salvation enough enough sebastian we are resolved cried out together both the brothers claudius said one put on me again the chains you have taken off nicostratus added the other give orders for the sentence to be carried out yet neither claudius nor nicostratus moved farewell dear father adieu dearest mother they in turn said embracing their parents no replied the father we part no more nicostratus go tell chromatins that i am from this moment a christian with my sons i will die with them for a religion which can make heroes thus of boys and i continued the mother will not be separated from my husband and children the scene which followed baffles description all were moved all wept the prisoners joined in the tumult of these new affections and sebastian saw himself surrounded by a group of men and women smitten by grace softened by its influences and subdued by its power yet all was lost if one remained behind he saw the danger not to himself but to the church if a sudden discovery were made and to those souls fluttering upon the confines of life some hung upon his arms some clasped his knees some kissed his feet as though he had been a spirit of peace such as visited peter in his dungeon at jerusalem 
two alone had expressed no thought nicostratus was indeed moved but by no means conquered his feelings were agitated but his convictions unshaken his wife zoe knelt before sebastian with a beseeching look and outstretched arms but she spoke no word come sebastian said the keeper of the records for such was nicostratus's office it is time for thee to depart i cannot but admire the sincerity of belief and the generosity of heart which can make thee act as thou hast done and which impel these young men to death but my duty is imperative and must overweigh my private feelings and dost not thou believe with the rest no sebastian i yield not so easily i must have stronger evidence than even thy virtue oh speak to him then thou said sebastian to zoe speak faithful wife speak to thy husband's heart for i am mistaken indeed if those looks of thine tell me not that thou at least believeth zoe covered her face with her hands and burst into a passion of tears thou hast touched her to the quick sebastian said her husband knowest thou not that she is dumb i knew it not noble nicostratus for when last i saw her in asia she could speak for six years replied the other with a faltering voice her once elegant tongue has been paralyzed and she has not uttered a single word sebastian was silent for a moment then suddenly he threw out his arms and stretched them forth as the christians always did in prayer and raised his eyes to heaven then burst forth in these words o god father of our lord jesus christ the beginning of this work is thine let its accomplishment be thine alone put forth thy power for it is needed entrust it for once to the weakest and poorest of instruments let me though most unworthy so wield the sword of thy victorious cross as that the spirits of darkness may fly before it and thy salvation may embrace us all zo look up once more to me all were hushed in silence when sebastian after a moment's silent prayer with his right hand made over her mouth the sign of the cross saying zo speak dost thou believe i believe in the lord jesus christ she replied in a clear and firm voice and fell upon sebastian's feet it was almost a shriek that nicostratus uttered as he threw himself on his knees and bathed sebastian's right hand with tears the victory was complete every one was gained and immediate steps were taken to prevent discovery the person responsible for the prisoners could take them where he wished and nicostratus transferred them all with tranquilinus and his wife to the full liberty of his house sebastian lost no time in putting them under the care of the holy priest polycarp of the title of saint pastor it was a case so peculiar and requiring such concealment and the times were so threatening and all new irritations had so much to be avoided that the instruction was hurried and continued night and day so the baptism was quickly administered the new christian flock was encouraged and consoled by a fresh wonder tranquilinus who was suffering severely from the gout was restored to instant and complete health by baptism chromatins was the prefect of the city to whom nicostratus was liable for his prisoners and this officer could not long conceal from him what had happened it was indeed a matter of life or death to them all but strengthened now by faith they were prepared for either chromatins was a man of upright character and not fond of persecution and listened with interest to the account of what had occurred but when he heard of tranquilinus's cure he was greatly struck he was himself a victim to the same disease and suffered agonies of pain if 
he said, what you relate be true, and if I can have personal experience of this healing power, I certainly will not resist its evidence. Sebastian was sent for. To have administered baptism without faith proceeding, as an experiment of its healing virtue, would have been a superstition. Sebastian took another course, which will be later described, and Chromatus completely recovered. He received baptism soon after, with his son Tiburtius. It was clearly impossible for him to continue in his office, and he had accordingly resigned it to the emperor. Tertullus, the father of the hopeful Corvinus, and prefect of the Praetorium, had been named his successor, so the reader will perceive that the events just related from the Acts of St. Sebastian had occurred a little before our narrative begins, for in an early chapter we spoke of Corvinus's father as already prefect of the city. Let us now come down again to the evening in which Sebastian and Pancratius met most of the persons above enumerated in the officers' chambers. Many of them resided in or about the palace, and besides them were present Costilus, who held a high situation at court, and his wife Irene. Several previous meetings had been held to decide upon some plan for securing the completer instruction of the converts and for withdrawing from observation so many people whose change of life and retirement from office would excite wonder and inquiry. Sebastian had obtained permission from the emperor for Crematins to retire to a country house in Capania, and it had been arranged that a considerable number of the neophytes should join him there, and forming one household should go on with religious instruction and unite in common offices of piety. The season was come when every body retired to the country, and the emperor himself was going to the coast of Naples, and thence would take a journey to southern Italy. It was therefore a favorable moment for carrying out the preconcerted plan. Indeed, the Pope, we are told, on the Sunday following this conversion, celebrated the divine mysteries in the house of Neostratus, and proposed this withdrawal from the city. At this meeting all details were arranged, different parties were to start, in the course of the following days, by various roads, some direct by the Appian, some along the Latin, others round by Tiber, and a mountain road through Aparnum but all were to meet at the villa not far from Capua. Through the whole discussion of these somewhat tedious arrangements, Torquatus, one of the former prisoners, converted by Sebastian's visit, showed himself forward, impatient, and impetuous. He found fault with every plan, seemed discontented with the directions given him, spoke almost contemptuously of this flight from danger, as he called it, and boasted that for his part, he was ready to go into the forum on the morrow and overthrow any altar or confront any judge as a christian everything was said and done to soothe and even to cool him and it was felt to be most important that he should be taken with the rest into the country he insisted however upon going his own way only one more point remained to be decided it was who should head the little colony and direct its operations here was renewed a contest of love between the holy priest Polycarp and Sebastian, each wishing to remain in Rome and have the first chance of martyrdom. But now the difference was cut short by a letter brought in from the Pope, addressed to his beloved son Polycarp, priest of the title of St. Pastor, in which he commanded him to accompany the converts and leave Sebastian to the arduous duty of encouraging confessors and protecting Christians in Rome. To hear was to obey, and the meeting broke up with a prayer of thanksgiving. Sebastian, after bidding affectionate farewell to his friends, insisted upon accompanying Pancratius home. As they were leaving the room, the latter remarked, Sebastian, I do not like the Turquatus. 
I fear he will give us trouble. To tell the truth, answered the soldier, I would rather he were different, but we must remember that he is a neophyte, and will improve in time and by grace. As they passed into the entrance court of the palace, they heard a babble of uncouth sounds and coarse laughter and occasional yells, proceeding from the adjoining yard, in which were the quarters of the Mauritanian archers. A fire seemed to be blazing in the midst of it, for the smoke and sparks rose above the surrounding porticoes. Sebastian accosted the sentinel in the court where they were and asked, Friend, what is going on there among our neighbors? The black slave, he replied, who is their priestess, and who is betrothed to their captain, if she can purchase her freedom, has come in for some midnight rites, and this horrid turmoil takes place every time she comes. Indeed, said Pancratius, and can you tell me what is the religion these Africans follow? I do not know, sir, replied the legionary, unless they be what are called Christians. What makes you think so? Why, I have heard that the Christians meet by night, and sing detestable songs, and commit all sorts of crimes, and cook and eat the flesh of a child murdered for the purpose, just what might seem to be going on here. Good night, comrade, said Sebastian, and then exclaimed, as they were issuing from the vestibule, It is not strange, Pancratius, that, in spite of all our efforts, we who are conscious that we worship only the one living God, in spirit and truth, who know what care we take to keep ourselves undefiled by sin, and who would die rather than speak an unclean word, should yet, after three hundred years, be confounded by the people with the followers of the most degraded superstitions, and have our worship ranked with the very idolatry, which above all things we abhor? How long, O oh Lord, how long? So long, said Pancratius, pausing on the steps, outside the vestibule and looking at the now declining moon, so long as we shall continue to walk in this pale light, until the sun of justice shall rise upon our country in his beauty and enrich it with his splendor sebastian tell me whence do you best like to see the sun rise the most lovely sunrise i have ever seen replied the soldier as if humoring his companion's fanciful question was from the top of the ladial mountain by the temple of jupiter the sun rose behind the mountain and projected its huge shadow like a pyramid over the plain and far upon the sea then, as it rose higher, this lessened and withdrew, and every moment some new object caught the light, first the galleys and skiffs upon the water, then the shore with its dancing waves, and by degrees one white edifice after the other sparkled in the fresh beams, till at last majestic Rome itself, with its towering pinnacles, basked in the effulgence of day. It was a glorious sight indeed, such as could not have been witnessed or imagined by those below. Just what I should have expected, Sebastian observed Pancratius, and so will it be when that more brilliant sun rises fully upon this benighted country. How beautiful will it then be to behold the shades retiring, and each moment one and another of the charms, as yet concealed of our holy faith, in worship starting into light, till the imperial city itself shines forth a holy type of the city of God. Will they who live in those times see these beauties and worthily value them, or will they look only at the narrow space around them, and hold their hands before their eyes, to shade them from the sudden glare. I know not, dear Sebastian, but I hope that you and I will look down upon that grand spectacle from which alone it can be duly appreciated, from a mountain higher than Jupiter's, be he Alban or be he Olympian, dwelling on that holy mount, whereon stands the Lamb, from whose feet flow the streams of life. 
They continued their walk in silence through the brilliantly lighted streets, and when they had reached Lucina's house and affectionately bid one another good night, Pancratia seemed to hesitate a moment and then said, Sebastian, you said something this evening which I should much like to have explained. What was it? When you were contending with Polycarp about going into Capania or remaining in Rome, you promised that if you stayed you would be most cautious and not expose yourself to unnecessary risks. Then you added that there was one purpose in your mind which would effectually restrain you, but that when that was accomplished you would find it difficult to check your long ardor to give your life for Christ. And why, Pancratius, do you desire so much to know this foolish thought of mine? Because I own I am really curious to learn what can be the object, high enough to check in you the aspiration, after what I know you consider to be the very highest of a Christian's aim. I am sorry, my dear boy, that is not in my power to tell you, but you shall know it some time. Do you promise me? Yes, most solemnly. God bless you. End of section 10